This podcast is brought to you by MedTech Innovation News, the publication for professionals working in the UK and Ireland's medical device industry. Subscribe now at medtechnews.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the MedTalk podcast, bringing you the latest news and issues in life sciences. I'm Ian Bolland, the editor of MedTech Innovation News. Cybersecurity has been a hot topic in recent years and has only accelerated as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Today I'm joined by Carolyn Crandall from the TiVo Networks to discuss where companies operating in the healthcare and medical device space are most vulnerable and what they need to do to guard against cyber threats. First of all, Carolyn, thanks very much for speaking to us. Um, I think it's a, I think a good, good place to start would be just how busy have a TV networks been during this because the uh, the uh, the scale of uh, cyber threat and opportunities for cyber attacks must have grown enormously. Yeah, it has been a busy end of 2020 and beginning of 2021. And I think that what changed a lot was not only the volume and magnitude of the breaches, but, you know, through some of the congressional hearings that were happening around uh, solar winds, it really became apparent that part of the demise of so many organizations is that they're trying to build a perimeter defense with tall walls, deep moats, but they're lacking the visibility inside of the networks for um, privilege escalations and lateral movement of the attackers. And so even though I think security has known that this has been a challenge for a while, this really shined a very big light on the uh, issue. And that is the sweet spot and where Ativo considers the company to be an expert is detecting that lateral movement and preventing that privilege escalation. So as you can imagine, there's been a lot of interest in the company as that really has uh, become a point of attention. Yeah, you mentioned uh, one key word, the visibility, and I think uh, it's probably a good issue to uh, actually address because I think a lot of uh, health networks and even even hospital, even hospital trusts in the UK probably haven't quite realized what they're connected to. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll elaborate a little further on that because we've seen huge acceleration in, in digitization over the past year or so. I'm just wondering, can you provide some insight on how much of an increased cybersecurity risk there is now for both the life sciences industry and healthcare as a whole? Yeah, it's a significant risk. Um, you know, if we look at visibility, the whole work environment has changed. We've got so many distributed workers. We've got so many unmanaged systems. We've got people going into cloud environments. And with all of those architectural changes came uh, lack of visibility. And what we've seen uh, is that if everything starts from a compromised endpoint and moves inward, that um, the visibility to those attack paths to get to those critical objects to get to Active Directory, um, which, you know, just to define real quickly, you know, it's it's really the the uh, GPS or the treasure trove or the main directory services of an organization. And if compromised, then um, really bad things can happen, right? So you can change security policies, you can authorize yourself to do different things. And so 
what I think people have started to realize is that, yes, you need visibility on the endpoint to prevent a compromise, but you need more visibility to those attack activities, plus those vulnerabilities, right? You know, and when they talk about the solar winds being difficult to uh, be able to detect, that's because there's a lack of visibility to those vulnerabilities inside of Active Directory, to those vulnerabilities into those uh, around those attack paths. And I think, again, that's where organizations need to look differently from their traditional controls to go, okay, what are the vendors and services that are available so that you know doing an audit on Active Directory periodically is not good enough, right? You need to do these things more continuously and have better tools to visualize and have teams work together to solve the problems. And so I think those are some of the things that we've seen and have been on people's minds and attentions all the way up through the executive suite as they realize, you know, we've, we've got a really critical thing that's exposed um, and tall walls and deep moats are not going to help us in this case. Uh, from the sounds of what you're saying, it's, it seems a case of not just visibility, but good quality visibility as well. It is, right? So, and it's one of the biggest challenges. You've got a lot of really great and experienced security professionals. There's not enough of them. And so what happens is they can only go, you know, as you call it, an inch deep and a mile wide. And in in that, what happens is they miss a lot of things, right? And it's not that they're not good. It's just that there's such a volume of things to look at that they have to look at automation to be able to collect all the data, correlate it. And then what happens with a lot of the tools, or if you're just looking at logs today, is it doesn't tell you how to remediate it. And so looking at some of the more recent innovation, there is technology now that will do that work to gather the information, correlate the information, and then even make recommendations on how to remediate it. So now um, there's two things that happen. One is there's clarity of what the problem is and how to solve it. But in these cross collaboration teams where maybe different people manage different things, there's less time having to be spent proving that there's a problem and now you have all of the information you need so people can move a lot more quickly because that proof is there with the detection of, of the vulnerability or, or the attack that may be underway. Okay, you, you may have actually touched, a, touched upon this a little bit, but what can organizations in life sciences and in, in the healthcare space do right this moment to minimize their risk to cyber threats given you know, the knock-on effects that COVID has had? Uh, I think it goes back to your point that you brought up before is, you know, visibility. You know, of course, you know, you should patch and you um, need to be able to identify your assets as much as you possibly can. But we know in the healthcare environment, that's not always practical and things are always on the move and you don't want to take them offline. And so, you know, I think trying to, you know, understand that you can't have a gate to push everything through. And now, you know, the, the field is wide open. And so now... Um, Right. Now, in this in this case, how do you get the visibility from that endpoint? So let's assume that endpoints get compromised. What are the tools that they can put into place to look at the attacker activity from there? And it's not all just your typical um, you know, malware activity. There are a lot of things happening around that credential theft and that privilege escalation, which is why they want to go after Active Directory. So I guess the two things that I would tell people right now to consider in the security suite that they may or may not have, depending upon the maturity of their visibility programs, is you know, be able to have a tool that tells you if an attacker compromises that endpoint, how does it get to its target? 
if they're going to go after Active Directory, which we see in over 80% of the attacks, that the attackers are going straight for Active Directory. And, and if we talk to any red teamer, they're always going to tell you, I go straight for Active Directory. Why not? It's going to give me the, the permissions, the credentials, the access, the lay of the land that I need. And so don't look at... Active Directory only as a mechanism to provide services, which is, of course, what it's expected to do, but also look at it as far as um, how you secure it, right? And and it's inherently insecure because everybody needs access. So instead, look at how you give conditional access so only the people that um, should see it do. Um, there's some really innovative concealment technology that you can hide things from attackers, which are worth looking at. But I'd say first things first is just understand your vulnerabilities there. Then maybe look at how you um, hide the things and have that conditional access piece of it so that the attackers, even if they do get in, they can't find or access the things that they need to in order to elevate their attacks. Okay. I mean, I think we touched upon the fact that um, healthcare and medtech, life sciences, it's such a broad field in the first place. And there's there's so many things to consider when when it comes to safeguarding, you know, well, that's medical devices, healthcare systems, patient records. But but what what would you say are the kinds of devices that you'd regard as possibly the most vulnerable? Yeah. Well, I mean, anything that's of value that they could steal or, you know, as we've seen in so many ransomware attacks today, it's not even the the you know data that they're trying to sell afterwards, it's the the extortion and even the double extortion that can happen from that if they steal patient data or, or other records or, you know, COVID research or other things, you know, there's there's access to this information that becomes very valuable to the company that they're going to try to demand huge ransomware payments. And so, you know, we know given these these massive payments that have been, um, you know, circulated in the news that, that attackers are asking for is that every organization needs to take a look at where that can start, right? And it could start with a medical device. It could start with a personal's computer. It could start with exploiting a vulnerability inside of trusted software or network architecture that you use. And we're just seeing too much of that happening. And so um, attackers are definitely looking for things that that stay below the radar in their activity. Um, Vulnerability exploitation seems to be you know, kind of, some people may argue it's kind of risen to the top as the thing that people or our attackers are looking for versus, you know, even phishing. But I'll say that both are out there. And so companies need to really take a look at where that weakest link is, um, regardless of the type of device and what can they do to see that attack activity, understand those paths, and then also make sure not to leave anything that they know is vulnerable open, right? Go ahead and and remediate those things or, you know, use, you know, <laughs> attackers use it all the time, right? They, they use deception to try to pose as an imposter. We'll use deception back against them, right? Set up some fake traps, lures, decoys to throw them off the path if they do get in and give the, the security team a chance to, um, you know, to be able to to deal with this. And and the, and the last point I would just make on that is, is I know a lot of people think that this technology is, is very complex, but what I would say is, is over the last several years, there are, you know, folks like Ativo Networks that that have simplified it, and it's all automated, and it actually removes a lot of the manual tasks. So, I would say for people that go, oh, that sounds really mature and, and complicated, it's kind of like your iPhone, right? There's a lot of technology that's built into it, but it's very simple to operate. And I think that's where you've seen some of this new innovation come in, is that 
the companies know it's got to be simple. It's got to be actionable. And you would probably be very surprised at how easy some of these technologies are to use these days. In the spirit of simple and at the risk of sounding a little bit too simplistic, it's just worth for uh, companies in this space just to have access to somebody or or a company that knows what they're talking about when it comes to when it comes to the cybersecurity field. Someone that knows their way around the place, and then and then that way you are, you are not going to be as exposed to things that you shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, things have changed. I mean, in some ways, some things have gotten more complicated, but there's a lot of new technology that has tried to come out, make things simpler, understand that there is a security expertise shortage that's out there. And that means that it's not all just about the alert. It means it's about sharing enough information behind that alert so that it's actionable and also so it's shareable, right? You know, there's a lot more attention today, both between the private and public sector, that we need to share more information. Um, if you look at nation state attacks, they're double what they were last year. And so we need to, as a society, be much better about sharing information, collaborating. I mean, you even look at, you know, the whole, you know, dark web and underground network. I mean, they, they have a whole marketplace, right? They collaborate, they buy things, they share things. We need to do the same on our end as defenders is help equip each other so that we're at least on, on equal fighting ground. It's um, it's pretty significant that you say that because I think that crosses over a lot of things that uh, that we've discussed on on this podcast before. It's it's a case of what's happening in life sciences space at the moment it tends to be a good reflection of what's happening in, in, in society and and those and those at the top and you know, almost. But uh, at the risk of uh, straying a little, you know, too far away from my remit here, I'm going to come back onto. Um, what medical device manufacturers in particular could do, because what what else can they do to mitigate this this kind of risk? Because you know, there's the Internet of Things, for example, is a massive factor in this space now. Yeah, now and IoT is a massive security challenge, and you know, in regular IoT, some of it is just the simplistic of you know set passwords, default passwords that. Um, people don't either, you know, have the ability to change or can't change. But the difference with the medical IoT world is that because of the the health risk nature of these things, a lot of times you can't touch or tamper with the software. So, for example, you can't run malware on it, right? Any anything new or updated on that could change the function of the technology. So, you know, from the field, so to speak, you're you're not able to make those changes or to do anything about it. So, a lot of the pressure does come back onto the medical device manufacturers to go, okay, you've got to take more ownership and security to have accountability for that, right? You know, you need to be able to to make it so that these things stay patched and make it so that they can be uh, patched in a way that is aligned to the way that the device is used, right? Because not a lot of downtime is allowed in these devices and um, it needs to be simpler. So um, my message on that is, is take a little bit, you know, take a little bit uh, more ownership. And, and I have seen some um, vendors do that. Um, you know, for example, with BD, they've got, you know, insulin pumps and drug infusion pumps. And now you can actually create decoy technology so that those decoys are out there. So they couldn't change or load additional software on the devices, but they instead obfuscated the attack surface so that you could see, um, you know, activity coming out. Um, and that's something that was done in, in partnership with the TiVo. So um, definitely some manufacturers are stepping up. 
and others probably need to do more. Um, and I suspect the only way that they're going to start to do more is to have, um, you know, requirements put into place, right? So the government mandates that this must be done inside of these technologies so that, um, you know, it's not left on the hands of the defenders, which really can't do as much as they would want to, because they can't touch or change the way that the device functions. Um, and that means it goes out of their log management systems, it goes out of their traditional detection pieces, and it becomes, again, very complicated to detect unless you're using something like that decoy technology. And for the reasons that you outlined, it sounds pretty essential to have security at the, you know, from the outset as, a, as one of the first things to think about when actually designing such a, you know, such a product. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of attention. I mean, it's medical devices for sure. But even, you know, even if they get better, I think what we've seen recently is there's a fundamental problem that we've we've always trusted our devices and trusted our software that it's going to come in clean and not infected. And I think you also have to have a safety net for all of these things because we've seen things like x-ray equipment, um, you know, coming in straight from the factory and you plug it in and all of a sudden, you know, it hit one of our decoys and it was trying to download malware on it. And you start to go, what the heck, right? You know, cause you, 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 you want to trust this and believe that it's going to come in clean. And in this case, somewhere along the supply chain, it got tampered with and, and, you know, who knows what might've happened if we weren't able to catch that. Um, and it's, again, the same thing you're seeing now with, um, you know, solar winds and, and Citrix and other things that we've, you know, we've, we've trusted this technology, but now we need to realize that we shouldn't, right? And we want to put safety nets around all of these different devices and all of these different systems so that if the attacker does compromise that system, they have to move, right? You know, it's probably not that system that's their target. So put in, you know, things along the way that's going to detect all of the different techniques um, that an attacker is going to use. Um, and, and that, again, may sound very complicated if you're trying to do it based upon uh, signatures or pattern matching, but there is more sophisticated technology that's out there today that looks at the techniques that the attacker will use and detects based upon the technique technique versus the signature, which makes it a much more efficient and effective way to detect that uh, in-network attacker. I mean, I think the two words that are coming out of uh, our, our discussion at the moment is uh, uh, visibility and simple. You know, let's have simple technology and let's make sure that the companies have got as much visibility as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have such sophistication with, you know, AI and machine learning. And what I think a lot of people pay attention to is, is the AI for the um, detection or the data mining piece of it. But what gets less attention is the machine learning that's now being applied to deployment and management of things. And if you look at what that's been able to do for security manufacturers, it's incredibly powerful because it takes a lot of that manual work to deploy a system, to maintain it, to update it out of the equation. And so um, I think innovation is really helping, um, you know, helping fuel the technology on this side so that we can, you know, again, make it simple for the defenders and make it more actionable so that they, you know, they can deal with a resource shortage and they know what to pay attention to versus going, okay, I'm just going to take off the top and deal with the ones I can can deal with in the time I have. This allows them to go much deeper and and you know 
that therefore will increase their success and stopping bad activity or intrusions that might be happening in, inside their networks. Okay. I, mean, I think we talked a lot about the uh, um, what, what companies can do. Uh, but I think to, uh, to, finish, to finish up on, I think, what about the end user? Is there anything that they need to do? Yeah. Well, I was talking to some folks for um, a medical panel, and, and we got on this discussion a bit. And, of course, there's all the typical things, of, you know, hey, keep your software up to date, um, you know, but, but be more aware and, and take more caution. And, and, and that was really the, the topic of the discussion, even beyond the, the, the training and the don't click messaging that we give. But, you know, end users or we as workers have to be thoughtful about it. And, and a lot of times we go for speed, right? And, and we're not paying as much attention. And that's where we need to be thoughtful about what we're doing and realize that the consequences can be significant. And so I think if we ta- all individually take ownership for our actions, and say, just be super careful, you know, again, look at your email carefully. And if anything seems out of sorts, don't click, you know, escalate it up to somebody and ask the question, um, just to make sure that you're not accidentally making, you know, making a mistake. And I, I think even if we all as individuals slow down just enough to be able to do that, it will help um, remove a lot of the mistakes, which are still, you know, again, some of the leading causes for the, the breaches that we see today. Okay. Carolyn, I'm going to let you go, but thank you very, very much for your time. It's a really insightful discussion. So thank you.